You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 116. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here. How are you doing? fully into fall at this point. If you're listening to these episodes linearly, then it is absolutely coming upon Halloween. I can't believe how cold the rest of the country appears to be feeling while Southern California is still relatively sunny and shiny. So wouldn't know that it was fall here, but you would definitely know that there's a sense that things are beginning to change whether it be the conflicts we're having around COVID and what's going on with that and the continued arguments that are happening, uh, whether it's the changes that are happening on campuses where you really get a sense that we're coming to a, a point where we have to figure out what does inclusion mean and how are we going to uh, hold people accountable for what they what they say and what they do and, and where do you draw a line and where do you offer people a second chances to um, continue their own personal growth and development and allow them the space to evolve and allow changes to begin to happen in them that we then say, well, this is what you did then and this is who you are now and let's make sure that we do a little investigation about how people can grow over time and how people can change the way that they feel. Last week, if you've been listening to the episodes again linearly, we talked about conflict avoidance and how often people will resist having tough conversations with people because they're afraid of the rejection, they're afraid of the response they'll get and not being aligned to what they hope that it'll be. You're going to have a lot of that in life. And it's best to start really teaching yourself how to step into the conflict and move toward resolution. When we start to ask ourselves, what about when people say things that offend us, when people do things that offend us, when there are offensive things happening around us? First, we really want to step into the idea that we're choosing to be offended by what people say. You're, you're always choosing. You choose to be happy. You choose to be sad. You choose to watch a commercial. It can evoke happiness or sadness. Um, I think about those ASPCA commercials with the, with the Sarah McLaughlin song and, and the sad animals, right? You could choose to see hope knowing that people are, who are watching that commercial right then and there are donating to that foundation. You can choose to have hope that those, those animals found forever homes, or you could choose to feel sad that the animals are in that situation to begin with, or that people treat animals poorly. You're choosing which what of the emotions that you're going to have. And I'm just bringing that up as an example, because I think we've all seen those commercials, and they evoke a lot of emotion in people. It can be whatever one it might be for you. That's a commercial that most people have seen. The Sad Animals with the Sarah McLaughlin song. I know you know what I'm talking about. If not, just turn on any random cable channel at like, between midnight and four in the morning, they're going to show that commercial a lot. 
So when I say that you choose to get offended when people say stuff or when it comes out that people have said stuff, it's because you can step into a space where you can begin to ask them questions or you can begin to not just listen to what the trending topic is around it, but be a little bit more investigative to find out what is it that their actions have really shown. We want to calibrate based on people's behavior, right? Being mindful that what they say is a bit of a window into what their behavior might really be, but their actual behavior is really what shows us who they are. So somebody could say that um, they you know, don't like cucumbers, but secretly you go to their house and they've got a ton of cucumbers there. Calibrating on behavior says, for whatever reason, they're dogging cucumbers in the public forum, but they actually have a ton of cucumbers at their house. Random example, may not make any sense. I'm not sure where I pulled that out of anyways, but what where my mind is going here, so I'm not burying the lead any longer, is I think about John Gruden. And whether you guys watch sports or not, sur- surely you've heard about the, how the head coach sent some emails that people found offensive. They were sent in like 2010. 650,000 emails were found um, within this one individual's account, and only the Gruden emails were leaked. It was clearly a systematic approach to destroy this coach, John Gruden. For whatever reason, the person felt the need to do this. That's still yet to have come out. But what did come out were two particular emails that were saying very offensive things about the commissioner of the NFL and about an African-American who ran, the, I think, the Players Association. He said some pretty heinous stuff about these gentlemen. And that was enough for him to get fired from his job and basically ostracized from the NFL, a team he once coached for and took to the Super Bowl and won a Super Bowl for. They took him out of the ring of honor. All hell broke loose. And while I do no way, shape, or form condone the things that he wrote in these emails, I couldn't help but think, man, that was a long, long time ago. And what you say in a private email and the context for which it was said, there's so many moving pieces and variables there that we can't really truly know what was going on that caused him to want to send out these emails that were misogynistic and sexist and definitely had racist, like literally racist sentences and like words in there. Uh, Not the N-word, but saying big-lipped and things of that nature. And so the undertone of of racism was there. Now, this is a man who's been coaching African-Americans for years and Hispanics and people who are not only Caucasian. He has got plenty of friends around the league who are also of non-Caucasian descent. By no stretch of the imagination would I think that this guy is secretly harboring like a KKK mentality. But he wrote some pretty heinous stuff. It comes out 12 years later. Now the guy's ostracized from the league, fired from his job, pulled out of the ring of honor. And I can't help but wonder... If there wasn't an opportunity missed to sit down and actually have conversations with him, with others, about what was said, why it was said, and how he's grown or evolved since those things were said. He was a coach back then. Uh, He was not actually a coach at the time he sent the emails. He actually had retired from coaching, was working for, I believe, ESPN, and now he's back into coaching. But he had won the Super Bowl at the beginning of the 2000s around then. And he was still very much involved in the NFL. And 
these emails come out 12 years later and completely destroy him. And I'm thinking, well, where has he changed since then? Where has his ideas changed? Where has he actually benefited the population? Where has he actually become a force for good where this could actually be used as a major growing opportunity? And I can't help but think of politicians who've come out wearing blackface from the 70s, and that's 50 years ago. What they did in college versus who they are now is not the same person. Now, one could argue that it is the same person and that people don't change, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how change is inevitable how change is happening all around you. And just because you're not aware of your change doesn't mean that you aren't changing and that people aren't changing as well. And that's where I think the crux of this argument and this debate, this conversation can begin to slide toward. People see a, a politician or a celebrity or somebody wearing blackface or wearing something that has to do with a race, creed, color, religion, sexism, whatever it might be. And they say, well, that's what they did then. So they're still that person now. For y'all who are actual, like, traditional college students in that 18 to 25-year-old range, you're going to do some stuff in your youth that you will not be proud of in your 30s and 40s and 50s, I can assure of you. Even those of you who think that you're full aware to not post ridiculous stuff on social media are going to find yourself doing things in a public forum with cell phones with cameras attached all around you. And you have no idea when someone's recording you, videotaping you, or otherwise capturing what should be a private moment and then displaying it for the world to see. I'm blessed I didn't have to deal with this crap in the mid-90s and early 2000s whenever I was in college, because I can assure you, I drank like a fish and I definitely did some stupid stuff. Everybody did pre-iPhone, and we're still doing stupid stuff post-iPhone. We're just having that stuff blasted across the internet for the whole world to see. Now there's so much multimedia and social media channels, everything can be anywhere and it can go viral in a second. Email back in the day was all typed out on black screens with a green cursor, and now we've got people busting out emails from you know the mid-90s and, and just getting people blasted. I don't know who's been digging up pictures from the 1970s, but man, somebody is like, oh, you're popular, you're famous, you, you're voting against something I care about. I am going to dig up microfiche, which for those of you who don't know what microfiche is, they took newspapers and digitized them at some point, but not real digitized. They just put them on like these reels and you'd slide them into this machine and you could just sit there and go through tons of different newspaper articles and they would all be on like reels, like uh, like old film and they were before it was developed, right? It's on those kind of reels, but it would just be like a mile long and you put it in there and you could, you could go through like three years of, of paper. So this is what I remember of microfiche. This is definitely pre-internet. <laughs> I know, I know. You all are rolling your eyes being like, was this dude around like when the Pony Express was popular? Uh, no. No, thank you very much. Coleco, yes. Pony Express, no. So <laughs> let's reel this in for a second. Why do I think this is important for us to talk about? People change. People grow. People evolve. 
People aren't the same that they were at 18, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And we have to, to open up a conversation when things come out about someone's past that we deem as offensive and, and have a conversation about who they are now and where they could actually benefit the growth and development toward a better future by focusing on where they're at today and how they can actually create that bridge. You know, we see uh, there was Al Franken was a senator for the Democratic Party. Uh, he used to be an SNL writer and comedian, drank a bunch of booze, did some things that women found offensive on like an ASO tour over in Afghanistan, and Iraq, out there in the desert. This stuff resurfaces 20 years later when he's a senator and he's out. How could he have benefited the conversation? Rather than ostracizing him from the community, how could we have brought him back in and said, let's discuss what you did then and how you're ready to support the Me Too movement or the changing of of the guard as we begin to move forward to a more equal opportunity kind of society where everybody is treated equally. Not just people who have felt oppressed for the last 50, 100 years, but everybody is seen as just another human ready for an opportunity that they've earned. Thick skin is not something that you just have. It is something that you develop. And by no way, shape, or form or do we want to live in a world where everyone's just going around saying whack stuff to one another and you're just expected to have thick skin. There should be a modicum of civility between all of us, realizing, again, we're all searching for the same six human needs. So why can't we just literally, as Rodney King once said, just get along? When we want to create a bridge from where we were to where we're going, it's very important that we have at the table with us during this conversation people who represent the old guard, the old way of thinking. When a football coach or a politician or a celebrity, when it's revealed that they said some whack stuff back in the day, whether it be via Twitter or whether it be via email or hell, I don't know, via Telegram, like let's have the conversation about where they were, where they are, and where they would like to see us go. It's a damn shame that some people get ostracized from the community and then there's no opportunity for there to be an actual conversation with them about where we could start to improve and change our society. I cannot help but think back to the time when my best friend at the fraternity, I was a SIG up back at Ball State University, and one of my pledge brothers, his name was Scott, and I loved this dude to death, and uh, he failed out of school after our freshman year. I'm not surprised considering the way we partied. I barely held on by the skin of my teeth. And so our sophomore year, he wasn't there for the fall semester, but he was accepted back by Ball State for the spring semester. And that spring, he came back to the fraternity house and he wanted to rejoin. And the people who were not into crazy partying decided they didn't want him back because he was a bit of a misogynist. He said he'd get drunk and say mean things to, to females at times. And he was just He's just a little, I'll even I'll admit, his behavior was borderline obnoxious quite frequently when it came to just being polite, especially to members of the opposite sex. I wasn't like he just flat out called women mean names. He just was a little abrasive. I remember the night that they decided not to let him back into the fraternity and how upset so many of us were. And I remember thinking, when we pledged, they said that we were a brotherhood. 
that we stood by one another. And when we started to fall to the wayside, we would pull each other up and we would guide each other toward the right way to live. A running saying or like joke in the fraternity was, what do you do if you find a sick up in the gutter? And the punchline was, you never find a sick up in the gutter. We don't let each other get that way. They let Scott Button fall to the wayside. And I loved this man. And unfortunately, he passed away some time ago. And I'll never forget him. And I'll always think of him. And whenever I think about how people can change, I think about how much the fraternity missed out on an opportunity to be a part of that, that man's growth that day when they chose not to bring him back. Ultimately, he ended up writing his own ways. He figured out that the way he was behaving, not just to females, but to people in general, wasn't going to benefit him moving forward. And he really started to become less abrasive, less just mean and more nice and more understanding. And he did this on his own and blessed be that he did that. But the fraternity missed an opportunity to be a part of that, perhaps to make it more efficient or happen more effectively. Where in our society are we letting people like Scott fall through the cracks? They do something, they say something, they behave in a way, something comes out that they said at some point. And when instead of bringing them into the fold and saying, let's grow together through this, we ostracize them. The ostracization, I'm just making up a word, I think. Ostracization, ostracization. Yes, it's the word I said. When we ostracize people from the herd, we miss an opportunity to bring them closer to the center, allow them to feel connected to the overall movement that we are all seeking to go as a society to make them a part of the solution. Instead, we ostracize them and say, that's who we were. We don't even want them around us. And then that means that that person, they go off and what, does that make them even more angry? Does it make them even more isolated? Where do they go off then? They go off to find other people who maybe thought the way they did just because they want to feel some level of inclusion. Maybe they go off and they I wasn't even like that. I'm not even like that now. I said some stuff and I was angry and, and I wish I could go back and take it back. I sent the email and thought it was just between you know point A and B and now C through Z and everybody in between knows about it. We're missing opportunities to create connection and grow together as a society when we are unwilling to listen to somebody else who, again, whether they say something that we condone or don't condone, we're missing the opportunity to bring them into the conversation expand our own way of thinking, and start to grow together. I've said this about politicians, and so I'll say it again to remind you, just because you hear somebody and you listen to somebody speak their mind, and you might think that it's poisonous, that it's venom, that if this seeps into society, that it'll destroy the very fabric of what keeps us together. Even if you think that when someone says something, and I'm going Republican, Democrat, both sides on this, whatever party you're in, you're hearing the other side talk, and you think what they say is poisonous and vitriol, and that it's going to destroy us. When in reality, it's just part of the conversation. And just because you listen to it doesn't mean you condone it. But just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's not happening. In order to grow, you need friction. It's how you build muscle. It's how you create calluses on your hand. It's how you grow. There's a book I'm listening to right now by a guy by the name of David Goggins. 
It's on, it's on Audible. It's called Can't Hurt Me. And this dude had one hell of a childhood, had one hell of an upbringing um, until he finally pulled his head out of his tookish and decided he wanted to become a Navy SEAL. He was definitely destined for an early grave or prison or just poverty and, and damn near homelessness. This guy has some rough stuff go down. I'm not trying to compare his life to other people. We all have our own shit we got to deal with, right? We all have our own traumas. Pardon my French with the S word there, but we all have our own traumas. We all have our own things we have to go through. This guy had it pretty bad. And he talks in there about how we have to callous our mind, how we have to grow thicker skin, how we don't let somebody else's words cut through us like a knife. Right? There's an, there's an old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names can never hurt me. People calling you names, it can bruise your ego, it can get inside your head, but what do you let it do when it gets inside your head? Just because you hear it doesn't mean you have to believe it. Just because you hear it doesn't mean you have to allow it to become something that you ruminate on. I have certainly had some people come at me lately, and I'm just like, you know what? That's your opinion. You can think whatever you want to think of me. I've got a lot of other people who think the opposite. So why am I going to let somebody who says negative things about me, that be what I hold on to? And what, just let all the positive things slip through the cracks? ignore them, act like they don't count? Why do I let the negative things people say about me outweigh the positive things that people say about me? Are you doing this in your own life? Are you allowing somebody who's not even near you, not even around you, doesn't even affect your day-to-day life? Are you letting words that they say cut through you like a knife? Callous the mind. Understand that there are going to be people who are going to say some pretty, pretty whack stuff. They might be racist. They might be sexist, misogynistic. They may not like your religion. They may not like the way you dress. They may not like your tattoos or your piercings. There is a myriad of things that people can just look at you and just snap decision not like about you. In a planet of 7 billion people or a town of 70 people, you're going to find people in that particular community who just don't like you. Growing thicker skin means that you just let that be that. Somebody says racist stuff, then you be anti-racist and you support the person that they're bullying. Because no one who is confident and secure in themselves bullies people. People who need to trash talk someone else, right? That in sports they use it as their like motivation to get them pumped up and ready to go. But those that are just truly fired up and ready to go, they don't need to talk smack about the other team in order to get themselves fired up. They just wake up fired up. If somebody's bullying you, somebody says some whack stuff to your face or around your back and behind your back blatantly stabs you in the back, metaphorically, right? That person is insecure. They are not secure enough in themselves to live their life without trying to tear other people down. That gives you insight into them. That lets you know that they have weaknesses. And some of this stuff David Goggins put in my head, and I love that he did because it reminds me. When somebody comes at me about the way that I coach or the way that I support or the way that I talk on the podcast or the information I do or when somebody comes at me about the way that I dress or my hairline or my glasses or whatever it might be, I just have to remember that that person's going through their own stuff. What they're saying about me says more about them than it ever, ever will say about me. What somebody says about you says more about them and how they perceive themselves, who they see in the mirror, 
when they look in that mirror, it says more about them than it ever will about you. John Gruden types out some nasty emails in 2010. That says more about him than it ever said about those people. Politicians come out wearing blackface in the 70s. That says more about them than it ever said about the race they were making fun of. Somebody says something sexist, behaves sexist, gets caught doing something. It says more about them and their moral and ethical and and value fiber than it ever will about who they're punking on. People can grow and evolve and change. And when we ostracize people from the herd, when we allow thin skin to not, you know, oh, don't, don't cause any friction. Let's not have any friction on college campuses. So what? So now we're going to segregate everybody else back off. Now we're going to have certain rooms that, that only black or only Hispanic or only Muslims go into. So now we're just going to, we're actually going to choose to segregate ourselves. Whereas back in the day, it was forced upon us. But now we're doing it so that we, what, we can save space. I have an idea. Let's all get each other in the same room and let's talk about why we don't feel safe around one another. Is it that we really don't feel safe or is it where everybody's telling us that we don't feel safe and then we just begin to assume that we didn't feel safe? Well, I mean, everybody says I shouldn't feel safe, so I guess I just don't. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure you want to be forced into your own little room so that you can always feel safe? Or would you like to discuss with people around you why perhaps you don't feel safe. When I say grow thicker skin, I'm not telling you to just ignore things that are that are poking at you, that are bothering you. But I'm telling you to step into that and have a conversation with someone who maybe you don't normally feel comfortable having conversations with. College is supposed to be a place where we go to expand our minds, not isolate it. When somebody says something that is that, that that completely offends, right? One, you're choosing to feel offended, and I get it. You might think, man, that, that dude's dropping some racist slurs toward me. Yeah, yeah. But you can choose to feel offended, or you can choose to understand that that person's going through some stuff in their life, and the only reason they're coming at you is because they're so afraid to be alone with their own thoughts that they have to stir up something externally. For heaven forbid, they have to go internal and realize that they are not who they think they are. They are not achieving what they desire in their lives, and so they're going to tear down others in a hope, even if for just one second they can feel better about themselves. That's a bully. That's what's going on. And a bully is always being bullied somewhere else. A 10-year-old who bullies seven-year-olds is getting beat at home. Something is going on. Let's get these people back into the herd. Let's talk to them and let's not be seeking to ostracize the moment someone steps out of line. Because first of all, we're just drawing lines all over the place now. How does anyone even know how to behave? I don't necessarily think that we're raising a bunch of cupcakes in our society, but I definitely think we're raising people who are ready to just call anyone who steps out of line. But there's so many different lines being drawn. How do you know what line you're supposed to be towing on any given moment? How about we just expand our minds and realize that we're all different for a reason? Right When somebody does something offensive around me, I hope that I can always have that foresight to say, you know what? Something's going on with them. A client comes at me and I'm like, you know what? I don't know what's happening with that person today, but clearly something is going on because the last two or three times we've talked, everything has been solid. And now today they're being vicious toward me. 
I don't know what's going on in their life, but I really hope that they can figure that out because clearly I'm not the one who can guide them to that place. I want to help as many people as possible, but I cannot help everyone. I'm sure you have a part of you that wants to help as much as you possibly can, but at the same time, you have to be thinking about how are you helping yourself? How are you taking care of your needs? So step back when you hear people doing or saying offensive things and just take a breath and think, you know what? Something is going on in their life. Let's respect their model of the world and let's just see if we can step into for one for one moment what's happening in their life that's causing them to think or feel or talk or act or behave in this way. Because clearly it's not all copacetic. Clearly they are not having a good time inside their own life, inside their own mind. And I'm telling you, if we can begin to take on this kind of behavior where we accept people, even if we don't condone what they said or how they acted or how they feel or think, at least if we can just accept for a moment that something has happened in their life that has created this, we can step into conflict resolution. When we fire someone, when we ostracize someone, that is conflict avoidance at its most public forum. Allow there to be friction in your life. It grows you thicker skin. It builds you a a stronger mind. It will build you a stronger body. Everything about you will grow when you step into the friction instead of running from it. I cannot help but stress that how much different people's lives would be If instead of kicking somebody out of their life that was the perceived villain, instead they changed their thought process, said, that's a challenger. How can they challenge me to grow today? How can I seek to become a better person through what is occurring with me and this person right in front of me, or perhaps even a random stranger? Perhaps it's just John Gruden, 4,000 miles away, who sent an email 12 years ago, and now his ass is out the door. There are opportunities all around you, and I hope that this podcast is opening your eyes to them. Because I'm telling you, the less we ostracize and the more we invite into the inner circle, the further our herd will get, and the less likely we'll be to get attacked by predators. All right, my friends, as always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. If you'd like to know more about the group coaching I am offering for the college community, again, traditional, non-traditional, it doesn't matter. We're going to run you guys through some amazing stuff moving into the new year. 2022 can be our best year yet. Mask, no mask, come hell or high water, we are going to open our lives to the abundance that's around us. If you want to know more about this, hit me up on Instagram at Jesse Mogul, at from sobriety to recovery. Stand up, step forward, raise your hand, and I will call on you. See you next week. Bye-bye. 